At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Don't miss your free chance to tune into Benzinga's very own bootcamp series on November 20th. If you're looking to dive into new concepts and grow your account, this one's for you. So we got so many guests, we figured let's just start the show early because we, we, we want to be able to talk about the markets and what's up and what's down and all that stuff before we get to our guests. Sound good, A.B.? Let's do it. All right, let's start the show. All right. On the to-do to list is get ourselves a new intro, but we got a lot of guests today. Here's That's what I said. Here's what we got. We got Ben from Story Trading in like eight minutes. We've got Vivi Biotech, uh, or the Bio Queen at uh, 1215. We've got Zandy Forbes from uh, Mira GTX. She's the president and CEO. We're talking gene editing at 12. Uh, 30. We got Ronan Samuel from Cornet Digital. We're talking uh, fashion and this is the fashion supply chain at 12.45. Did I get all that right as far as timing goes? Yep. Uh, we got Scott Mathis from Gaucho Holdings, Sicker VINO uh, at 1. And that Renato uh, Capelge, he is a Benzinga writer and also does some really, really cool options trading on, on the side. Uh, he'll be on the show at one thirty. So we got a lot. We got one, two, three. We got six guests today, AB. We have a oh, that's a lot, frankly. Uh, maybe a few too many, but nonetheless, here we are. So before we get to those guests, uh, we, we're going to talk about what's what's moving. We're going to talk about uh, crypto. We're going to do a guess that chart segment because we got some good feedback from that yesterday. So um, AB, where should we start, man? Um, let's start with just looking at the overall market, Spencer. Okay. I, I see Christian in the chat asking, who do we have on for a guest today? You just ran through them, but you can also check the description in the YouTube, uh, the YouTube description for the guests for the day. Um, and shout out to the chat yesterday. We had some good trade ideas thrown out in the chat yesterday. We did. Uh, Easy Mike was talking about Uber puts. I played those. They were up nicely. Nice. Um, and we were talking about playing Disney for a big move on either side. We got talked out of it. By our main man Nick Shaheen, but yeah, uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe we should have done it anyway. I felt bad about that one going in. Like I talked out of it, but uh, yeah, that was a pretty brutal quarter. So um, anyway, I don't even know why I look at Disney. It's in my never sell portfolio. That's my first mistake: is don't look at the stuff in your never sell portfolio. Otherwise, you're just giving yourself anxiety. Rohan, Das Pips is saying audio levels. Are we good? Producer Rohan, are you awake? I'm here. Okay. Oh, oh he's coming through us through the sky cam. I did not know that was coming. Skynet from Terminator. Yeah. Um, hang out on the background like God. Good idea. Hey, uh, while we figure out those levels, if you all want to do a solid as DK suggested and hit that like button, ladies and gentlemen, we'd appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, hey, let's do a guess that chart segment. We're going to start doing this every day. Yesterday, 
was an easy one. AB. I don't even remember what it was. It was DWAC. Oh, yeah, that was right? easy. That was, that, that was yours. Full so, disclosure, I guessed the one today. No, because I changed it. Oh, shoot. So beforehand, Spencer showed me the, the guess that chart, and I guessed it, and he didn't like the fact that I got it so easily. So he went out and picked a new one. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I went out and I picked a firm, and I thought, oh, this will be a good chart for the day. And then he guessed it like right away. So it's not a firm, so don't guess that. Um, drop your answers in the chat, and whoever's right uh, – Email us afterwards, and we'll send you some swag. Um, here is today's chart of the day. This is going back to, like, February. Actually, this is going back to the start of the year. This is going back to okay. the, Interesting. Start of the start of the year. Now, I will give you some hints, because otherwise it would be impossible, I feel like. Um, in some respects, this is a technology stock. In some respects. Oh, man, we have a winner already. Holy moly. Christian Gallagher. Wait, it was PayPal? This is PayPal. How? What? So are we looking at weekly candles right now? This is a daily. So PayPal's gotten beat up over the past month or so, it looks like. Yes, it's gotten beat up is, 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 is a nice way of putting it. But yes, Christian Gallagher. Damn. Did he win yesterday? No, no uh, okay. Brendo won yesterday. Good. Christian, email us, shows at Benzinga.com. Right. Wait, why is PayPal down so much? <sighs> Didn't they just announce a, a Venmo Amazon integration? So? <laughs> yeah, you'd think that's bullish. Yeah. Uh, tell me you don't own PayPal, or maybe or you do and you don't know it. Um, I think in my like real portfolio, the one that I don't manage, it's in there. ScarJo says it's too easy with showing prices. Well, that's an idea. All right. We can take the price off. That might make it ridiculously hard, but we could do that. Should I buy like calls on PayPal? No. It's got to be coming back up at some point, right? <laughs> That's one way of putting it. Um, you you want to throw out like a, you know, you want to buy the, 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 the 280 strikes expiring in like six months? be worth looking at <laughs> i'm sure it's not very much money i do think though we have to um you know keep up like if, if we start doing obscure biotech stocks you know it'd be nearly impossible so we'll, we'll probably try to stick to i don't know yeah s&p 500 companies yeah, that's 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 a good plan stick to the s&p 500 so we're gonna do this every day christian email us shows at benzinga.com we will hook you up with some swag before we go to our first guest, AB, I see him lurking backstage. Let's do our first crypto update of the day, shall we? Yeah. So yesterday, Bitcoin spiked on the CPI data and then gave up all those gains and more. Yep. Um, let's take a look today to see how the, the, the crypto markets are responding to that yesterday. Uh, we, we have a lot of people in the chat that have been asking kind of, how are they supposed to be trading crypto right now? So I know you and I, Spencer, are in that boat where we're just like adding Ethereum and not really touching it or selling it. I haven't even added recently. It's been a while for me. I haven't bought Ethereum. I've only bought it one time. So yesterday, like I mentioned, once that CPI data came out, Bitcoin spiked and actually hit brand new all-time highs, um, gave all those gains up, is currently trading about $65,000 a coin, down 4.8%. Ethereum is also down, albeit not as much. Ethereum currently right around $4,800. So we talked about that $5,000 level being a big level for Ethereum. 
I think once we see Ethereum finally break through that $5,000 level, we can really see it run. Um, but yeah, everything pretty much in the red, like you can see from this heat map. Shiba Inu, though, in the green, up 5%. Um, we're actually going to have a, a big Shiba Inu guest on the show tomorrow. Uh, his name is Russ. He was an early investor and also a kind of co-developer of Shiba. So he, he's someone that I think I can say confidently knows more about Shiba Inu than 99.9% of people in the world. Um, so if you're interested in Shiba or what's next for the coin, tune in tomorrow. He'll be on about 1.30. Uh, Spencer, any thoughts on this crypto? Heat map? Yeah, I, well, I, I'm trying to get a link right now because we're actually doing a Shiba giveaway. And I'm trying to get the link for that. I don't have it handy, but we're giving away some free Shiba Inu. I hope somebody gets me that link so I can get it to you. Uh, that's my thought. My thought is, no, I mean, Bitcoin is an inflation hedge. Crypto is an inflation hedge. Um, I don't quite understand the why it's down like this today, but you don't. all you need to do is look at the reaction to, to Bitcoin at 8.30 a.m. Eastern time yesterday, right? Inflation comes out. It's hotter than expected. It's, it's more than expected. What does Bitcoin do? It goes up. What does Ethereum do? Mike is saying, hey, AB, it, it's a good play. Definitely go for PayPal options. Oh, gosh. Um, so I don't know if he's, you know, facetiously saying that. He wants to see me lose some money, but I'm looking at him. I'm looking at the calls. Um, but yeah, Spencer, like you mentioned, get some free Bitcoin. We'll, we'll throw that Zing token up real quick. Go to Voyager. You put in a hundred dollars you get fifty dollars free bitcoin if you use the code zing uh so not a bad deal at all i mean who doesn't want fifty dollars of free bitcoin check out voyager for that use the code zing um all right real quick before we get to ben yeah and and i'm i'm gonna post the link to the ship giveaway uh when i once you find when it when i find it so. yeah no problem can, can someone out there easy mike you might be the guy who, who knows technicals what they're talking about when it comes to technicals i'm watching um dash which has been up a lot over the past, I don't know, week or so. Is this is this this the a kind of subtle head and shoulders forming on the on the one day chart? I think we're looking at five minute candles right here. I see one shoulder here. This could be the head. If this is the the second shoulder, um, you know, could it start falling down? Should I be looking at some dash puts? I need someone who knows technicals better than I do to let me know if this is. Uh, I, you know, I'm not a big patterns guy, so I'm not really. I know, but we have some people out there that are. Yeah, you're, no, you're, I'm, you're I'm, right. I'm outsourcing. Yeah, I know I know what fair. I need to listen to, to someone that knows more than I do. Yeah. Um, Alvin's saying he's looking at Wayfair puts and ADSK. What's ADSK? Autodesk. Autodesk. Yeah. By the way, I just put the link in the chat for the ship giveaway. There it is. There it is. You can't click it on the screen, but it's in the chat. I'm just throwing it up there so y'all know it is there. All right, y'all. So story trading, if you guys have watched this show before, you've seen Ben on the show. He gave us AEHR at, I don't know, four bucks, three bucks. What is it now? What is it now? It's like at like 20. Let's check real quick before he comes on. He'll give us an update on AEHR. It's at $23. So let's see. I mean, it's it's up, I want to say like, at least 200% since he pitched to us on the show. He's got a couple more stocks we're going to talk about. Um, Should we bring him on? Easy Mike. RSI isn't, if the RSI is 90, isn't that a sign it could come down? I don't know. You, you know more about technicals than I do. Let me know. All right. Without further ado, let's go ahead and get Ben. So ben, what, what was the what was the price of AHR when you first came on the show? And pitched What's up, guys? Yeah, when I first came on the show, it was around $5, $5.40, somewhere, somewhere in the low fives, I believe it was. Yeah. 
And when we first presented it to our VIP community, when I presented it as a trade idea, it was $2.74. It went all the way up to 27. So it was a 10 bagger if you captured that. And I happened to have pretty much captured that. I was diamond handing this from 274. I didn't sell my first shares until 16. And then um, I sold a lot more in the, in the 20 to 25, 26 range. I maybe even gotten a little bit of 27. So um, yeah, got, got a few updates for you on, on that and a couple other stocks. You got a new background. This is the first time we're seeing this. It looks pretty good. <laughs> yeah, a lot more work to do. We got to get uh, better mics and cameras and everything. But yeah, this is the first time anyone's seeing this background. Cool. You wow. got, you got right, well, a new set too, it looks like. We did. It took us far too long, but we eventually got it together. <laughs> yeah, Rohan, yeah. can we get a zoom out so Ben can see our beautiful set? There it is. Oh, 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 wow. That's great, man. <laughs> Um, all right, Ben, you want to go ahead and get your screen shared and we can go ahead and run through those slides real quick. I know we only yeah. got about 10 minutes, so we've got a few all stocks right. to hit on. I'll work. I'll be fast. All right. Mm. There we go. All right. So, yeah, first we got that quick disclaimer. We got to always do that. Uh, story trading is not investment advisor and investing in securities involves significant risk of loss. Those of you who are new to story trading, what is it? Story trading is the practice of understanding market pricing. We also call that the story behind the trade through the four pillars, which we say are sentiment, catalyst, fundamentals, and technicals. That allows us to take a holistic look at markets and make choices based on all of these factors, not just one of them. So AIR, Story Trade, Idea Update. I officially opened that in my community on July 8th at 274. I did close it on November 8th at 2579. I still own some shares. Uh, I ended up selling about 90 to 95% of my shares uh, Monday morning was really the trigger for me. And that's because I saw something in the technicals and also the sentiment, which uh, caused me to say, let me let me lock in these gains. And the technicals last Friday was the first solid green candle on the chart. You can go look it up. The first solid green channel and the entire run up, which, which means it started the day high and then went down lower throughout the day. And throughout this entire run, it was starting low and going higher throughout the day. I took that to be a reversal sign. Plus the sentiment, I think we reached peak EV sentiment for now for this cycle with uh, Elon Musk selling shares of Tesla with the Rivian IPO with the excitement over EV infrastructure. I'm trying to time that sentiment top. So I took my profits. I am keeping about 5% of my shares because it could go much higher still if they get the right contracts in the future. Got it. Um, so took some money off the table, trimmed some of your position in air, took those profits, never a bad move. Uh, ben, what else is on your radar today? Yeah, I wanted to give you an update on SMSI because I was on your show July 26. We presented this at $5.70. Uh, this is a stock that's been up 66% since it was initiated in our community. At the time, we said, hey, T-Mobile's coming end of month in August. It didn't happen then, but it happened last night. Uh, so a few updates. They had earnings last night. Um, so this T-Mobile deal came three months late, but it's finally here. Now, key, this was announced last night on the conference call only. There's no PR yet. So people who are in the know, who are listening to the conference call, they have a big edge getting into the stock right now. Um, there probably will be a PR at some point in the future. And there's also tremendous traction with their other customers, AT&T and Verizon. Um, there was an upgrade today to $9, and I'm not even sure that Benzinga caught it, that upgrade by the analysts, $9 by Lake Street. But we think in our community it can go much higher. Uh, there's uh, estimates out there in our community saying we could do go up to $1.33 at EPS by 2024, which would be a $40 
uh, price target. So that's the update on SMSI. You know, our investigative research worked and we're right about T-Mobile just a few months late. So this company is going to start printing lots of cash. It's going to be a very profitable company. Do you, do you have a target uh, or, or a stop loss? Um, yeah. Uh, no, I don't do stop losses. God forbid, man. No, I, I do storage. <laughs> I never do stop losses. So I've been holding the stock for like two or three years. I increase and, and decrease my position around Catalyst. So um, I was buying and after hours last night, I bought a lot more today. It's now my largest position actually. And uh, I, I'm not going to put a price target. I, I see how it goes. I, I assess the fundamental sentiment, cattles and technicals on an ongoing basis to determine my exits. There you have it. Yep. So I, I do have a new pick that I'll get to in a second. But before that, just a little quick alert, maybe something for you guys to look into and talk about, because this is a big kind of big cap for us, a $1.5 billion company, GoPro. We presented it to our community Sunday night um, because the fundamentals are super strong. They had earnings last Friday, and we had anticipated a technical breakout of the 200 DMA, which just happened this morning. And this is really, it could be a really fun situation. Wanted to bring your attention because it has, this has short and gamma squeeze potential. Very high short position mm. because sentiment has been very, very low. But the financials have completely turned around with this company. They're printing tons of cash. Now you see the technicals broke. The options are very liquid, very cheap. And if it gets into the right hands and the Reddit community, et cetera, this could be a crazy profit potential, you know, with short and gamma squeezes. So keep your eye on that, guys. But go so GoPro's up about nine percent today on the strong earnings. Um, so I, I mean I, I don't know personally, Ben, if I'm gonna go in and try to chase GoPro when it's already up ten percent, but I, I or nine percent today, but I definitely like having it on my radar. Uh, Jay Rice in the chat was also talking about GoPro, saying that he thinks it could be a long-term turnaround play. Uh, I don't know. I mean, this has been one of those stocks that has just been like beaten down over time historically. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, but you know, at some point, I don't think you can ignore the fundamentals. There, Fridays when I got in, added more Monday. Uh, I got a little bit messed up on the options. Don't blame the options. So I actually lost some money because I, I got scared with the whole inflation thing yesterday. But I'm I'm in it now. And uh, yeah, the sentiment's poor. That's the only thing. People hate this company, but the, they're printing cash like crazy. The technicals are turning and short and game squeeze potential. So just, so just watch that, guys. Yeah, my holdback with GoPro has always been that I feel like they have a very limited uh, yeah. customer base. You know, it's like who who are who's going out and get, buying GoPros? It's people that take part in extreme sports, you know, mountain bikers, snowboarders, skiers, et cetera. Outside of that, um, I, I don't know how many you know, everyday people are GoPro customers. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And I'm not, you know, I wouldn't take issue with that, but the amount of earnings they had, like 60 million EBITDA this last quarter. And if you compare it with their market cap, I mean, this thing can easily be 17 bucks, even with that, not against it. Got it. Um, all right, Ben, what else is all on right. the radar for so, today? I have a present, it's my first story trade idea since air. I presented this to my VIP community last week. Okay, listen to the presentation. Don't just jump and buy it, guys. Okay, because of what happened with air. Every stock's not air. I can guarantee you this is not going to go up a thousand percent in the next th three months like air did. Okay, so that stock is Gaia, ticker symbol G A I A. All right, so we're going to look at. Yeah, it's a, well, it's a smaller company, I think around 200 million market cap or so. But, you know, what's the story behind the trade? That's what we're trying to figure out. And again, we look at the sentiment, the fundamentals, catalyst, and, and technical. So let's start with the, with the fundamentals. Guys, a digital video subscription service, like uh, in some ways, like, like Netflix. 
They sell, um, they make original content for yoga, alternative health, holistic healing, nutrition. It's a monthly subscription service. They've been growing steadily over the last many quarters. They're profitable. Uh, fundamentally, I think their inflection really happened a quarter or two ago when, when they became profitable. And you can see some of the, uh, the trends here in terms of their, um, their revenue and uh, their EPS all going in the right direction. So in our community, we collaborate with people who are really steeped in fundamentals. This chart's courtesy of Mark Gomes. He has a risk reward chart here in terms of what is the value of this stock. And, and he thinks, you know, it's worth, it could be worth at least $17 a share. And the stock is very cheap here. So, so that's the fundamentals. You can check it out on your own. Go look at the earnings report and you'll be able to verify everything I'm saying about uh, their growth and the subscriber growth and the money they're making right now. Uh, and it could potentially be, a, you know, Netflix may buy them out one day. You know, there's a, there's a lot of opportunities here. So, um, yeah, Catalyst, let's go to the next pillar uh, in these story trading four pillars. They had their earnings just recently, November 1st. It was 2020, 22% revenue growth uh, year to date compared to the last year. Q3 EBITDA of $4 million, uh, EBITDA margin of 20% was their fifth straight quarter of positive earnings and cash flow. Um, and then they had an additional catalyst the next day. So we'll talk about that catalyst in just a second. What happened the day after earnings? But first, let's go to sentiment. So the sentiment is kind of poor with this stock because fundamental investors are frustrated at the price action. I know a lot of fundamental investors saying this should be worth 17, 20, 25 bucks. Why is it $10? Why is it moving yet? So I listen to other participants. I say, I talk to people on social media. I talk to people in my community. Why aren't you interested in this stock? And this is what I'm hearing. The total adjustable market may be too small. It may be too niche, their content. We talked about alternative medicine, yoga, meditation, things like that. So you'll say, I'm just not interested. It doesn't seem like a huge market. Other people say, hey, the content, they have some content that's kind of fringe on there. Fringe content, like some of that alternative medicine, there might be some videos on, you know, some vaccine hesitancy type stuff, or who knows, like some things are, it's alternative uh, content, right? So some ESG uh, buyers uh, may stay away from that, environmental social governance. So that's another knock on the sentiment. The other knock is this is just slow and steady growth. It's boring. Where's the hockey stick potential on that? So just remember, this is the poor sentiment. This is what happened, going back to the catalyst. The next day after earnings, after we know the fundamentals are great, the next day, another catalyst hit. The other, the catalyst was there was a PR that Demi Lovato became a brand ambassador for Gaia, and there was a press release that a lot of people didn't see, uh, where Demi Lovato says, "I'm excited to be one of Gaia's first celebrity ambassadors and honored to join a platform I've been a fan of for some time." She has 118 million followers on Instagram, and the market cap again like 189 million. So this company has been, you know, go, growing slow and steady. And all of a sudden they, they hit you with this news of Demi Lovato, a huge mainstream personality back in the company. I want to go back to those bear points. Hey, on the yeah. wait, wait, one thing I, I saw that uh, the thing about Demi Lovato uh, oh, and, and I, I guess I didn't realize this was the same company, but like they got a lot of weird shit on their platform. And that was the sentiment I was talking to. They're saying, yeah. oh, their stuff is weird. I just don't want to own this company. But, you know, I think that, you know, they're growing steadily. They're getting to a place where they can really focus on growth now. And to me, and let me go back to that bear point. You just made that bear point. You brought it up for me, right? Yeah. They have weird stuff. It's too niche. The fringe <laughs> content, they keep some buyers away. But this is where I think that Demi Lovato news is really significant because they're in a financial position now to really grow the company. 
And to me, this signals, and in fact, in that PR, it said, I'm excited to be one of Gaia's first celebrity ambassadors. And I have a feeling this company is going to start growing their content and start getting into more mainstream content. And, and based on what you're saying, I think they may be looking for more celebrity ambassadors. And it's just a great situation because the downside is so limited. You have a fundamental floor here, and now you have optionality upside if the company starts doing things to get that hockey stick growth potential. And that's why I really added to my position here, and I'm very excited for the next several months on this stuff. Um, All technicals, right. Let me just go to the last pillar of technicals. Yeah. We consulted with our awesome technician, Rex, and this is a monthly chart. Is saying uh, this can go to the 12s if it breaks out of the yellow dot here. Which dot is it shorter? I think the current breakout circled right there. It's got a breakout of, I guess, 1070 area. And he thinks it can go to 12 for the, the month. And here's another view, which looks much more bullish. This is a long view of the monthly chart. He says sometime in the future when the 12s and 13s break out at the blue line, it should proceed to break out the all-time trend at the white line. And he thinks this is a, a several-month play for that to happen, but you can kind of see where this can go uh, if that happens. So uh, any questions on that or any of the other stocks? Man, I, I didn't see this one coming. I didn't realize this was, I read about this company and I was like, Gee, uh, man, and I didn't even realize they're a public company until you came on here. So uh, I'm, I'm all, I'm putting two and two together here. Yeah. Uh, ben, uh, thank you as always for coming on the show. We appreciate it. And, uh, and, and, and have a good rest of your day. Great. Thank you. And everyone, please follow us there on YouTube at Story Trading. Thank you, guys. All right. Thanks, Thanks a lot, Ben. We got to keep moving. We got our next guest. He's already here. We got to talk biotech, guys. I know that we, we always get asked. We always get questions like, when's Vivian? When's Vivian? When, well, she's on right now. Well, not, not right now. She'll be on in like five seconds when we bring her on. But Vivi, BioQueen will be joining us every Thursday at this time. I told you all to save your questions for your bots of questions for right now. Let's bring her on. Vivi, how are we doing today? Good. How are you guys? Can you guys hear, hear me well? We yeah. hear you. We see you. And we have questions. Oh, awesome. And, first, and you know, before, before we do any questions, I think um, we can do some updates. I did have a request on Twitter to cover a stock. Um, like my old good uh, lawyer friend, Mallow, at Twitter, I, this is out for entertainment purposes. So uh, it's only my opinions are for entertainment purpose, not a financial advice. What, what's so the stock? Let's go. Disclaim that. So I wanted to, uh, first of all, uh, talk to you guys. Um, just give you an update. We just had a, the uh, ER on KMPH. Can you guys put that up over there? Yeah, this is a daily chart of KMPH. quiet so yeah so we just had a der and i want to so when i when everybody kept asking me like what are you, what are you gonna do for um what are you gonna do for kmph my position was small because here's some of the concerns i had i spoke to the manager and he interviewed me and uh he said you know we're not gonna put any reps in new york yet 
and it's just going to be certain regions in the United States. And for me, it show a little bit of a weakness because for me, if you're launching a drug, you should have put reps all over the map. But I think they're just trying to be cautious. So uh, they report around like, I think, two million in revenue. But here's what I'm bullish now. They just launched the rest of the sales force. And this company here, you know, their burn rate is really, really small because you know Korean is doing all the selling so the burn rate is like a million a quarter and they have a, still have 135 million in the bank and here's what I'm bullish of um, there's a company that sells the scripts and there's a guy that uh, his friend works for um, this company and feeds him all the scripts so for you guys to have an idea right the the feedback has been amazing so july they had a nine scripts for the monthly and then august they had 173 scripts um september 416 october 886 still low because they're not out throughout the nation but i think that the feedback has been tremendous from psychiatrists from the drug and the, the differentiator and i feel like as they deploy uh the other sales reps we're gonna just ramp up the sales so i feel like at this moment i wanted to add a little bit more to my position because i i see the future being very bright here at kmph and i think that um we're gonna we're so gonna, so, we're hi, gonna, so have you yeah, have so, you added more have you added more not yet not yet okay. i i should have now i i haven't i i'm waiting for some of my swings to flourish so i haven't been able to to add but okay. i wanted to for sure okay. okay and then i wanted to put you guys out somebody asking me to uh to uh cover a a uh, a n n x hmm Okay, not one I'm familiar with, but it, it is biotech. No. There are so it's, it's a biotech. It's under the radar. So uh, I wanted to explain to you guys some of the reasons uh, how I invest in biotech. And, and I told you guys, if there's no commercial product, there's there's got the most important thing you can look at is cash, right? Because if they don't have a cash, no product, they're gonna burn too much, and they're also gonna uh, have it to do offerings. And if the stock is low, they do reverse split. So the first thing I do is to look what was the cash burn and how much cash they have left, you know, with the future and what the catalysts are gonna be. So this company here, the first thing that got me uh, to, to look at, it was they have a $271 million in cash. So they're really, they're sitting really strong. So I thought that was uh, really, really uh, um, valid uh, information, very important. Then I look at a financial institution, NIA Investment, which is uh, Gottlieb, was the director of FDA, is, is a partner on that firm. So they own 2.5 million shares. So I thought that was another very important information because Gobliet is well connected to FDA. Not that you know it, he's, nobody's going to be bought out, but when you have investors that work with FDA, they know what it takes to to be compliant to get a drug approved, right? Because there's so much behind to get a drug approved. So manufacturing, you know, the, how the studies are designed. So. I like the fact that there's a NIA investment behind. And then also Novartis, oh, uh, 2.1 million. So Novartis has some interest in and, and the pipeline looks really, really amazing. Is LCNS, um, uh, MS, uh, they're going to have uh, Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is a very rare disease. So I really like this company. I really do. I, I'm not, uh, obviously, I can't be in every single stock. Uh, but I, 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 I think this is a, a really good, a long-term, uh, stock to hold for sure.
So that would be one. And then if you can um, bring back uh, PROG, PROG, we have a lot of fans, PROG, it's like almost like a main stock, but also a really good stock to hold long and um really yes yes so so what what do you see that the market doesn't see um what i see that the market doesn't see um i will tell you why this company is going to be huge they have a two types of, of delivery system they have uh um and i'll tell you guys they have uh, two 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 technologies uh, and i wanted to bring to you guys let me see i can share a screen okay but i have it here right in front of me so they have two things they have the obds okay which is oral biotherapeutics delivery system so what it does is is able to take big formulations and put in a form of a pill so for example humera is the one of the biggest uh blockbuster drugs in the world it mm -hmm. they sell at 10 billion dollars so imagine if abiv i think abiv is a humera owner if imagine yep. if uh, humera is loses patents in five years right and all of a sudden because doctors love the efficacy of this drug and that's why it's so well prescribed right but it's an injection imagine if this company sell their technology and all of a sudden you can have a drug like a humera being um given orally all of a sudden you create a whole new patent for that drug you follow me because a different formulation sure so sure, all sure. of a sudden you gain another 15 20 years of a patent on that drug now imagine how many pharmaceutical companies would be jumping all over because they're like geez i have this this drug that's a high formulation and now i have uh, i would love this drug to be an oral form because patients do prefer to be on oral form. So I see um, they announced that they have a three partnerships with the big pharma, but they have announced who. So everyone is kind of on a suspense, like who are gonna be the big pharma? So they have a, a, a right now with the Pfizer, they're, just to have an idea, they, the, not only the, deli the delivery system does this to the big formulation, but also one of the drugs uh, for, and then you go to the second one, the oral bio, biotherapeutic delivery system, the OBDS. What it does is it's, it's designed to, to, um, to take it a pill and the pill, the way this delivers, it doesn't go all over your bloodstream. So it's, it's for the GI tract. So it's GI specific drugs. And there's one drug for Zilgizin for, for uh, uh, Pfizer, they're, they're, they're preclinical. What they found was not only that, that with their delivery system, that drug was 25 times more potent than a Pfizer drug, but had a no toxicity because it doesn't go to the bloodstream like the other drugs would go. So you okay. have a less toxicity, less, less side effects. So imagine what they can do if they're already doing this with Pfizer drug, they're studying the Humira. Imagine like for me, this drug should have just literally like get royalties for every pharma to use the technology instead of being bought out, right? So I believe this, the, the future of this company is super, super bright. Uh, you know, it's heavily shorted. So I think that a lot of people are here for the, 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 the gum is squeezed. Cause if you look at, at the amount of, uh, of, uh, options 
the, the options chain is crazy uh, for this for this company. But I I will like I have a big position because I wanted to you know to trade around my core. But it's some it's is a company that I wanted to keep it and and a long term uh, option because I feel this company is going to be huge. So they just appointed also Jill Hall. Believe it or not, Jill Howe, um, she's on the board of directors. And this woman, it's like a powerhouse in biotech. A friend of mine worked with her at Somexon. Somexon got sold. So she comes in with a lot of experience in, in pharma and a lot of experience in acquisition. So uh, the team, it's fabulous. They are four miles away from my house. I should have just bring them a bottle of champagne when we hit $10. But I believe in this company. This company has a bright future. And uh, uh, right now there's a lot of people on it, you know, waiting for that short squeeze. But uh, it's been keeping really, it's been holding, like it dipped to, to like to 303 today. And it, yeah. it went right back up. So it's been keeping, you know, I think the short sellers were expecting after the ER, cause you know, there's, you know, ER for a state, it's uh, uh, initial stages of biotech doesn't produce revenues, right? So it, it dipped from 360 to all the way to three, but it's been holding for weeks at that average. So people are not selling, people believe in this company for sure. Uh, can I ask you, what do you, what do you, do you have any favorites in the, in the gene therapy space? I do. I um I uh I I'm a long holder for ADAP and they okay. have the uh it's one of the cartin G therapies but it's not the cartis the T, uh, RTC uh ADAP and uh, the reason I like this company is uh, not only they have a partnership with Genentech uh the Genentech partnership is up to 3 billion and uh, they already uh, have enough funding from Genetech because they gave, they gave them up a prompt payment, payment. They have funded until 2024. So I feel like this is a very safe play in regards to uh, not having offerings. And they, they are sitting with $285 million in the bank. And they do have some, um, some uh, catalysts coming. And uh, I, I believe this company will be a multi-bagger on day, you know, uh, so it's one of those that you set and forget it. But I like the position of cash because it gives me the comfort that they're not going to be throwing in offerings after a big catalyst. You know, they, they have, they're in a really strong position. And when you look at uh, um, institutional ownership, Matrix owned 15 million shares of this company, Baker Brothers owned 18 million. The institutional ownership, it's so strong in this company. And obviously, Genetech has a huge, huge portion of the company and has their eyes on the company. So uh, right. this is we, this is a big one for me. I, I, I got to ask you about about BCRX here. Gotta okay, talk, yeah, that, so, that's the rule. Every week we got to talk about BCRX. Of course, it's BCRX is still my unicorn, you guys, for sure. <laughs> so um, it, it's it's funny. I, I held the spaces on Twitter yesterday, and I was talking to a farm D. You know, I do respect. They have a lot more knowledge than me, you know, uh, in terms of a clinical. And he validates my position on BCRX and GRTS, which is great stone. And he says to me, you know, BCRX is, is a rare disease monster in the making. So they um, they just released uh, the earnings. They put 38 million for the quarter and people, boo, people are really upset that it wasn't 7 million, like this huge numbers. But fundamentally, long term, it's still there right because the science haven't changed 
So I see this as an amazing opportunity uh, if you're not in BCRX, but uh, just so you guys have an idea, uh, the biggest drug for, um, for Alexion is uh, Altamoras, and they are not even that good because it's not only an infusion for PNH, but patients still need transfusion, uh, taking this infusion every eight weeks. Uh, BCRX has the competitor, which is gonna be an oral, oral uh, competitor factor D. And not only patients uh, that have been on the study up to now, not only they jumped from phase one to phase three because they did so well, patients to this date, I think there's a, 40 weeks, 30 weeks of could be have not did a transfusion uh, to this date. So imagine having a drug that it's a, it's already a rare disease for PNH and patients only the choice only available is inject you know infusions, and you still have to go through transfusions. Imagine having an oral pill that you don't have to have a transfusion at all. So it just make them do the math. And Alexion, 70% of its revenue, 70 was on PNH for this drug. And they got bought out for $39 billion. That would have put BCRX at a $230 a share. And BCRX has a better pipeline with a more potential, and it's going to be all oral. So you guys do the math if you don't think this is a monster in the making. All right, Vivi, the bio queen. She joins us every single Thursday at biotech underscore SD is her Twitter handle. It's up on the screen and uh, we never quit. And then please, uh, yeah, please, if you, I, I will post my DD there because this is a very short. So you guys search right. the bio queen on Twitter and you can find me. All right. Thanks a lot, Vivi. We'll talk to you again next Thank week. Thank you oh, so wait. much, you guys. Yes, we Bye -bye. will. Next week. All right. Uh, hey, let's stick with biotech for a second here because our next guest is the uh, CEO of a gene editing company, hence why I asked Vivi about that. Want to get her thoughts. So uh, if we can, let's go ahead and uh, and and uh, bring her on, guys. Zandy Forbes, she's the president and CEO of Mira GTX. His company is a lot going on right now. They're at a very critical point. So let's get Zandy on the show. Zandy Forbes, um, welcome to enthusiastic introductory music, by the way. Yes, thank you, thank you. We're we're actually it's on our to do list to get new music, but uh, thank you for 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 the compliment. Uh, so as I said, it's a pretty critical time for for Mirror GTX. Uh, you guys just presented at uh, uh, the the virtual. Uh, oh gosh, uh, the European Society of Gene and Cell Therapy Congress, right? Uh, yes, we did. And then we had three abstracts there. Yes. Right. And then there's a we're due for another. I was a little bit surprised when I found out you're on the calendar because I thought you guys you have another uh, presentation coming up in, in, in a few weeks, I, I, I think, I believe. Right. We do. So we have um, quite a number of presentations in the second half of this year, uh, which included uh, some presentations at the meeting you just mentioned on our right. eye programs and our switch that allows you to switch gene therapies on and off with a pill which is um so, related yeah. to what vivi was just talking about actually that, that, that's then, what i do want to talk about i'm sorry yeah. but tell us, tell us about the other and one. then uh at the beginning of december we are having a clinical update on our xerostomia program for patients who've been cured of head and neck cancer but don't make saliva so we'll be completing that study 
this year and we'll be updating on the clinical progress so far at the beginning of December. And then a couple of weeks later in mid-December, we're having a science day to discuss in some more detail our RiboSwitch technology and our promoter platforms, which allow us to really optimize gene therapy and for the first time, switch gene therapies on and off with an oral drug and not just switch them on and off, but quite precisely dose the amount of gene therapy at a particular time with a dose of an oral pill. So let's talk about the switching yeah. via, via a pill. Yes. Explain exactly how that works. So obviously gene therapies are a virus which contain a gene and there's a coding sequence of the gene which will make your protein, whether it's epigen, for example, or whatever uh, gene therapy it might be, RPGR for the eye. And that gene is activated by a promoter, a regulatory sequence at the beginning of the gene. So that's the normal gene therapy, a promoter and a gene. The promoter switches the gene on and it remains on for the rest of that patient's life or that cell's life. So you have persistently expressed gene therapy. But what we've been able to do for the first time is we do everything I've just told you with the promoter that regulates the gene therapy and switches it on. But on top of that, we put into the gene sequence a small sequence of DNA which instructs the entire RNA produced from that gene to degrade. However, if we give a small molecule, but via pill, and we've got many small molecules because we've developed this as a platform, it stops that degradation. It cuts the entire degrading sequence out of the gene produced RNA, and you get the gene switched on as if it was never there. So for the first time, we can deliver gene therapies which are not on, so they're not producing weird proteins or bits of proteins, and we give a pill and bam, that I'll call it the degrading signal is cut out of the RNA and you get a perfectly normal protein product. I, I, I mean, I guess I have so many questions. I, I don't even know okay. like, where, where to... I, I, like that all sounds incredibly complicated. Um, I guess, uh, how can you make sure that it works? So it's, it, we've de when we set up the company, this was one of the technologies that we, um, we wanted to build. And these switches made of RNA shape, there are thousands of them in bacteria. And for, for decades, people have tried to take bacterial switches and make them work in human cells. And rather than doing that, which hasn't worked very well, we built, we used the theory of riboswitches and we built base by base our own switch. So we built it in mammalian cells. We then tested many switches and we have a platform of switches we can control. And we were able to make these really simple switches which switched on and off to high dynamic range. So 5,000 fold above the off level when they're switched on. And as a consequence of that, we were then able to change the drug 
that we activated with. So now we have multiple genes that we've put our switches in, sitting in our freezers. So uh, various antibodies, PCSK9 antibody, you'll be aware of, uh, PD-1 antibody, the, the very large drugs we can regulate. And then other drugs like GLP-1, obviously a diabetes and obesity drug, which we can regulate. So we've got those genes and we can now put them in vivo in mice and NHPs and we give those animals small molecules and we've already shown that based specifically on the dose of the small molecule, we see our drug switched on to exactly the right level in each animal depending on the dose of the small molecule you give. So we have built this over the last five years and we have moved from cells to mice to non-human primates and we're currently in a position to start doing IND enabling studies for both the small molecule oral drugs and the genes that they regulate. Uh, and then as far as use cases, I know you're working on, um, you know, you, you're working on applying this um, to uh, eye disorders, right? Uh, but it, are, is that the only use no. case right now? Tell us about the other ones. No. So um, we developed this technology of controlling gene therapy with a pill in order to much more broadly open up the space that gene therapy could be used in. So... We do have a lot of expertise in the eye and a partnership with Johnson & Johnson for our rare eye disease programs. But in diseases like wet AMD or dry AMD or uveitis, those large diseases, these are targets for regulation with our cassette and small molecules. In the case of our wet AMD program, we inhibit VEGF like other companies do. But what we're able to do potentially is when we put that gene that blockades VEGF into the eye, we can formulate one of our small molecules that's otherwise oral into eye drops. So what we're working on now is turning our small molecules into eye drops so we can put a wet AMD drug, a uveitis drug, into the eye as a gene and switch it on each day with an eye drop. So the eye is an excellent place to be able to regulate gene therapy with a small molecule. Another place which is really important is in the brain because it's very difficult to get antibodies or biologics across the blood-brain barrier. But what we're able to do potentially is we have regulated antibodies and we can put them by an injection into the brain, just a one-time injection within the blood-brain barrier. And then all you need is a pill, which crosses the blood-brain barrier. So it allows us to deliver drugs that are really hard to deliver by other routes. And there are many, many more applications. It, it hugely expands what you can use gene therapy for because for the first time you can control how much you give and at what time uh it seems like broadly speaking zandy um gene therapy like what like as an investment 
it was like super sexy a couple of years ago, right? And then it sort of it was super hot, and then it came down a little bit. Everyone's like, oh, wait a minute, this is still early days. Where where are we now? Are we like back to gene therapy being like the hottest the hottest topic in biotech, or or are we still sort of uh, is it like the off cycle? I don't know how else to phrase it. Well, I think there are there are many different gene therapy companies, and there sure. are cell therapy companies. There are a very very large number of of uh, therapies in the genetic medicine space, and um, and there are some companies that just have a product or a platform or a particular organ that they focus on, and there is a somewhat higher risk to those companies that depend on data around a particular study, right? What is quite different about Mira is that we established the company to really innovate in gene therapy and shows indications in the clinic that had good proof of concept and highly likely to work. And to support a future pipeline, we built everything you need to be a gene therapy company in-house. So we have multiple promoter platforms, multiple capsid discovery efforts. We have our own internal manufacturing, which is probably the broadest in gene therapy today in that we manufacture our own GMP plasmid. We have two uh, viral vector manufacturing facilities, which are flexible and scalable to commercial scale. And we do our own QC and analytics, as well as potency assays. So we have a very, very broad, I suppose, toolkit that's required for anything that you need to do in gene therapy. And we're now positioned with this regulation ability with a deep pipeline of regulated genes that we can then take through to the clinic with our vectorology and our own GMP manufacturing. So, uh, yeah, go so we've ask- a lot of the regulatory by putting all that in-house. I was just going to ask, as as we get more developed in this space, like Spencer said, it seems like a, a couple years ago, you know, that the gene editing space was huge for investors. Uh, what advice would you give investors that that are looking at different, uh, you know, genomics companies to, to be able to discern which ones are going to have an advantage in, in the field once the industry does become more hot among investors again? I do for think sure. that right now manufacturing is not just a bottleneck with respect to capacity, but um, dealing with regulatory agencies globally and an expertise in manufacturing process and, uh, and the assays required to show the release and stability of your products is very, very important. And to be able to either have that, to have as much of that as possible in-house de-risks clinical programs that you'll see particularly if you have those sorts of capabilities at the time of IND. You really don't want to see companies that are starting manufacturing their product in one way and then at phase two switch to another way and then have to scale it later. Ideally, you you would look for companies that have capabilities that allow them not to necessarily rely on CROs for plasmid manufacturing or indeed QC. 
And we learned that over the last five years. It's one of the reasons we've brought uh, so many of these capabilities in-house. But I do think that's very important. Um, in addition to obviously, you know, do the targets work or is this, is this an appropriate um, disease for gene therapy? The nuts and bolts of being able to produce and show the agencies that you produce the right thing are really important. Zandy Forbes is the president and CEO of Mira GTX. As I mentioned, there's a lot going on. You guys also got some positive ink and barons over the weekend and uh, uh, a lot of presentations after being in stealth mode for quite some time. So uh, looking forward to seeing how things develop here and, uh, and, and, and good luck going forward. Thanks a lot for coming on today. Thank you so much. All right. Hey, we got to keep the train running on time here. We got so many guests today, back to back to back to back. Let's pivot if we can. AB, we just spent the last half hour or so talking biotech. Uh, let's pivot to like supply chain, specifically uh, supply chain of textiles, right? Fashion. And what exactly is going on there? Well, to find out, we're going to bring on our next guest here in just a second, Ronan Samuel. He is the CEO of uh, Cornet Technology. And uh, let's let's bring Cornet and uh, Ronan. Well, no, let's bring Ronan on the show now. If we can, guys. I guess I'm do it, Spencer. I guess I'm doing that. All right. I got you. Ronan. Hey. Good morning. For us, it's afternoon. For you, it's later on in the evening. So appreciate (laughs) you uh, coming on uh, the the show here today. So uh, let's talk about textile supply chains, right? Uh, What exactly is going on there right now? Are things as bad there as they are in other areas of the world or the economy? Well, um, yeah, it's bad and it has to change. The supply chain is broken, but even more than that, textile industry and fashion industry in particular is the second most polluted industry in the world Um, for different reasons. One of the reasons is that 30% of whatever produced on textile is actually never being sold. Uh, And this creates a huge amount of waste both of materials and water, and we have to save the world. Um, uh, so we have to change the industry. Now, the reason for that is some of it is because the supply chain of today doesn't meet or doesn't fit the need of the consumer of today. The supply chain of the textile industry is like centuries ago. You produce in large quantities in Far East, in China, in Bangladesh, you're trying to focus what the consumer, what the people would like to buy a year in advance, sometimes 18 months in advance, which is impossible. It's crazy to think that you can predict what the consumer today would like to wear in a year and a half from now. So we have to change it. The world moved to digital in many, many industries. And in this industry, is still fully analog. Yeah, so, so Ronan, I'm glad you brought up the, uh, you know, the environmental impact of the textile industry, because that's something that's gained a lot of attention over the past year or so. I mean, you have, uh, quote unquote, fast fashion companies such as Sheen, and people have kind of started attacking the the idea that, oh, buying, you know, a cheap T-shirt for $15 or, or some pants for $15 that you see an ad for on Instagram uh, causes a lot of environmental distress. So, so what do you think needs to be done in the industry to address that? 
So the industry needs to change in order to try to predict what the consumer would like to buy and produce large amounts of, of products which will never be sold, is to produce to demand, to produce after the consumer placed the order. So as that's, you know, but that's not efficient. I mean, you're saying it is, but that's that's not necessarily an efficient use of capital, though, right? No, no, no. It's it's actually uh, very, very efficient. Um, more efficient. Okay, hold on. Okay, so e e explain me, to me. me. Explain to me. Yeah, let's begin with. First of all, what we yeah. see that production is really moving onshore. Why it's moving onshore? Not only because the, the the supply chain is broken, because you have to be closer to the consumer. You have to react fast for the consumer trends. Now, the world of fashion and textile move, is moving online. Today, 30% of all purchases being done online through e-commerce. The forecast by 2025 that it will be more than 60%. Now, the online, the e-commerce of today is still trying to sell you what they have in the inventory or what they have in the shops, in the stores. Uh, and if you were going to order products, sometimes it does not exist at all. Um, and uh, sometimes um, for the brands, it's really, right. really uh -huh. difficult to focus. Okay. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, we, we, uh -huh. you were fine. We just got disconnected, but we're back. Okay. So, okay. so I missed everything you just said. Okay. Okay. So let me try to, <laughs> to, to explain again. Yeah. Uh, so the world is moving digital. What does right. it mean? The consumer today is buying through e-commerce online. 30% of all sales is being done online and the focus by 2025 that it will be 60%. But the online of today is actually a mirror of the store. Doesn't allow you to choose your product. They're trying to sell you what they have in inventory, which doesn't fit what this uh, consumer would like. What we believe needs to be done is that the online should be virtual. You shouldn't have any real physical product. You can have endless amount of product virtually and connect the virtual world to the physical world. And this is exactly what Cornet is doing. Cornet is enabling on-demand production. You order what you want, only then you produce it. You produce it close to the consumer, on-show, and delivering you know, the same day on the next day to the consumer the product they would I, like. I, I, I feel like this is... I mean that all sounds great, right? I think that, but that's like that's more difficult, right? Well, right. I give you a few examples. Well, one example, great example. Think about the book book market. Um, okay. Book market twenty five years ago was fully analog. You went to a bookshop, you tried to buy a book. You only have on the shelf the books that were selling in millions of copies. Amazon disrupted this market. They created a digital world. You could go to Amazon and buy any type of book, even from 200 years ago. But what they created actually much more, the impact was much more than that. Because now everybody can become a writer. You can write a book about your family, about cooking, about anything you like. You publish it virtually. Doesn't cost you anything. Only when someone is ordering, then you print it and send it to the consumer. So the same thing is happening now in the fashion world. You don't need to have it physically. You actually unleashing creativity because you can have endless creativity virtually. And each one of the consumer can choose whatever they want in any color, in any design. And once you choose it, only then you produce it. So this is efficient and there is no waste. And you produce it using Cornet 
technology, which is a fully sustainable green technology. That, that, that was my next question, was just for you to clarify that. So a company like Amazon, for example, uh, could use your technology, right? Or, or any, any retailer, right? Could just buy your technology and, and, and use that along their supply chain to make it more, more green, more efficient. Right. Actually, Amazon is our biggest customers. Okay, Amazon is our biggest customer, but we have many, many more customers. We have more than 1,300 customers that are using our technology all over the world. Some of them very big companies like Amazon, like Adidas, like Fanatics, that right. using our technology and you can go online and order a product and customize the product and order your T-shirt. Here you can see with Cornet on top of that or on any color, any size, any shape. And this is the new world. Look what the world is moving into. world is moving into metaverse. So metaverse is everything is virtual. You will have your image in the metaverse. Yeah, you will be able to dress it as you wish with any any type of, of, of goods. Uh, and only when you feel that you like it, then you order it. And then it will connect it to the physical world, which will be big produced next to you if you are in new york it will be produced in new york if you are in beijing it will be produced in beijing and shipped to you the same day so the impact on the environment in terms of sustainability is huge and the efficiency is unbelievable and the creativity is unleashing the creativity for the designers and for the brands why is no one else doing this or are they well, uh, there are some uh, companies, our customers, that using our technologies, like Amazon, is doing it. If you go to Amazon and you would like well, to... Well, no, I, I, meant, I meant doing what you're doing, right? That's what I meant. Because, well, we are kind of unique. First of all, in terms of the physical world, we, our technology, what we have developed is systems in services that is all sustainable, which are digital systems. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill that can produce one-off if you wanted to produce a t-shirt or any any garment or any fabric in the in in the past using analog technology you had to print you had to produce hundreds of meters in order that it will be economical and also the the sustainability impact is huge um, there is a lot of pollution and, and, and consumption of water for every meter. Without technology, because it's digital, you are not limited. You can print one T-shirt. You can print one meter, one feet. There is no limitation, and every feet can be different design. So this is the advantage of digital, is unleashing the, the, the limitations that you had before. And we are not using water, so there is no, there's no water consumption. It's pigment ink, so it's fully green, so no impact on the environment. So, like, who could use Cornet? Amazon, obviously, but they're the largest retailer in the world. Could 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 I use it on my online Shopify store that make that sells, I don't know, ten shirts a year? 
Yeah. So, so exactly the point. So from the biggest retailers, biggest e-commerce, biggest brands like Adidas, Nike, they of course can use it, uh, to anyone, any consumer that would like to open a shop in Shopify. Now, what is the problem with Shopify? If you are now a designer and you sit somewhere in India and you would like to, to sell your product, you open a shop in Shopify in five minutes. You put your design. What is the problem? Once you get the order, what are you going to do with it? How are you going to produce it? How are you going to ship it? How you can uh, uh, compete against other marketplaces? What Cornet enables is to connect all those uh, marketplaces, all those uh, designers, into a network of fulfillers that can fulfill for them. So you need to take care only on the design, open a shop, and then connect it to Cornet X. And Cornet X is a platform that connects them uh, to a network of fulfillers that using our technology and can produce it anywhere around the world. And it sounds good. The market clearly likes it. Because if you if you look at your stock, it's it's had uh, a pretty tremendous run. Actually, e even even last year uh, seemed to uh, COVID didn't seem to hold it down too long. So uh, the market agrees with you. Uh, so I, I guess keep doing what you're doing. Uh, Ronan Samuel is the CEO of uh, Coronate uh, Digital. Uh, we will have to get you back on the show. Uh, hopefully. Uh, maybe next year when when the supply chain starts to work itself out a little bit, but I, I, I'm I'm very curious about this space because uh, you're you're one of the best performing stocks uh, I think out there probably right now. So, uh, Ronan, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you very much. Pleasure being here. Thank you. All right. Uh, hey, it is uh, twelve fifty nine. We've got our next guest coming on in a couple minutes. Whenever one minute. Whenever whenever they join, to be honest, because they're not even here yet. But that's okay. Uh, Scott Mathis will, he's the CEO and chairman of Gatcho Holdings, ticker VINL. Uh, and then we'll have, I'm very excited for our 130 guest, Renato Capel from Benzinga. And uh, really, Benzinga is, is, his side, is his side gig. His main gig is, uh, is doing really complex trading stuff, strategies. So uh, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, in a half hour uh if we can take a quick second though and i have not groveled for likes yet this hour yeah as we, as we enter hour two yet. of our show keyword yet uh if you could be so kind hit that thumbs up button on your screen i'm not sure where we're at on the like counter right now let's look we're at da, 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 da. come on computer 74 now 75 we can do better than that. We we do over a hundred easy, easy. The goal for the goal for the day is two hundred, but we can get to hundred right now, I suspect. Yeah, but so before we we, we get to Scott Mathis with Wowcho uh, Holdings, um, the uh, the previous guest, I yeah. I like that idea of because basically what he's saying is that companies now are producing clothes for a year down the line right but they don't know what's going to be hot on instagram and tiktok yeah. and what and the trends are going to be that's not efficient it's not efficient yep. so what, what what he's saying they're doing is waiting and, and basically it's print on demand but on a huge scale like what shelly was talking about in the chat with the economies of scale they're able to to produce uh the goods for cheaper when they're doing it on a large scale so if everyone if they're if their technology is able to kind of shift that whole industry 
it would have a tremendous impact on uh, the environmental right now, the the negative environmental impact sure. that the textile industry has. Another fun fact, Spencer, did you know this, that a lot of luxury brands um, such as, you know, Gucci, Louis Vuitton, do you know what they do with their extra uh, extra goods? No. I don't want to say something that's politically incorrect, but I know I have no idea. What could what would they, I don't know. They, they 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 give it they give it to animals? I don't know. I don't know. No, they they gather all their unsold do they bags. To, do they ship it to Africa? No, they gather oh. all their unsold bags, you know, unsold Gucci purses and yeah. burn them. Oh really? Yeah, to keep them which if you can imagine oh to keep the supply down yeah if you can imagine the environmental impact of that like everything that oh. goes into producing these bags and then yeah. they just burn thousands of dollars of merchandise so i don't know i mean it, it, out of all the things that we talk about when it comes to environmental that's one that's getting a lot more attention now that the textile industry um so i really enjoyed having him on but spencer without further ado let's go ahead and get to our next interview uh yeah scott mathis as i uh, mentioned here just a moment ago uh joining us now he'll be the he's the ceo of um uh gaucho ticker v-i-n-o let's get let's get him on the show if we can Vino, we're gonna be talking some wine hey scott how's it going Not really. uh, doing wonderful today having a very good week thank you uh okay um Scott, thanks, thanks for coming on today. Let's start with this. We're, we're talking Gaucho Holdings. Uh, you've been on the show before. Uh, we're talking real estate, right? We're, 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 we're talking uh, um, luxury. How do we put this? The luxury category. Um, give us an update on that category right now. How, how, how is business? I got to tell you this. Business could not be better. Um, you know, COVID's had a, had a hugely negative effect on a lot of the operations. But coming out of that, um, our, our business actually is performing at the best it's performed um, since really inception. So I couldn't be prouder than that. Um, and, and basically all of, our, all, of our operating, all of our operating units, not to say all, but very close to all of our operating units, um, are, are still gaucho fashion. We're opening up the store here in, in Miami in February, kind of hopefully uh, corresponding with Valentine's Day. That's, the, that's where we're looking at from that perspective. Um, but the real estate sales have, have continued to move forward, as we had mentioned some months ago in Argentina, which we're truly excited about. Um, we're looking at bringing in a, a, a five-star uh, hotel flag. Um, so we are, we are working with different companies, nothing to announce at this point yet. But that, I think, would both increase the value of the properties that we have in, in our Mendoza properties, 4,138 acres of contiguous new vineyard real estate with golf, with tennis, riding trails, and so on. Throughout that, that would not only increase the value, I think, of the, of the properties, but also, I think, have a huge positive potential on increasing the sales. Um, we're working now with a, a master plan architect design team, um, EDSA, EDSA. You can go look them up at edsa.com, edsa.com. And they're doing the full master plan uh, redo of what we have, really taking us to a complete another level. Um, they've done as far as Four Seasons, they've done uh, Ritz Carlton's, they've done major projects around the world from Dubai to, to Europe. I think they even did the Kennedy Center in Washington, DC. So this is just next level stuff from for our company that's we're certainly proud to be uh, you know working with EDSA. We're proud to be working with our potential hotel partners. Of, of course, nothing's done until it's done, but we're, we're moving positively forward in that direction. Um, Argentina, as a matter of fact, you know, had one of the most horrific um, times during COVID, 
Um, they had lack, lack of vaccinations. Everything was closed down. It was really, at one point, I think Bloomberg rated it as, as, the, as one of 50 of the worst countries to deal with COVID. Argentina was, was the worst. I think they're at the 946 right now. So not much better. But on the good side of that, they've opened up the country again. They're probably four to six months behind the U.S. and, and making that COVID you know, curve, if you would. And they opened up the country again on November 1st. So I'm taking my first trip down there with a with a group on uh, November 29th of, of this year. So we're excited about that. Things are starting to move again. Tourism is, I think, is going to boom in Argentina. Um, you've had a even a horrible situation for the local people, which is a devaluation of the peso. Since we got to Argentina, the you know the peso was three pesos to one U.S. dollars. Today on the unofficial the blue market, which is really the 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 market that everybody trades at is roughly 200 pesos to the dollar. So we've experienced and we've survived a 99% devaluation of the Argentine peso. So it's helped us a lot in the operating expenses, helping, you know, our goal now is to produce in pesos, sell in U.S. dollars. I mean, we literally went through a Great Depression of sorts. Imagine if any other country, if the U.S. dollar declined 99% in value over a period of time, what other companies would have had to endure? Well, we endured it, and we're at the other end of the spectrum right now. Um, the company, like I said, from our smaller IPO we did last year um, with, with EF Hutton, we're certainly primed. We're in a, we're in a good cash position. Um, we've, we've taken our first cryptocurrency. Um, we're sailing our lot in, and we're excited about the future. Yeah, Scott. The reason I asked about business is because I like I, I look at at Gaucho uh, as a reopening play, right? And I, I'm just wondering what you've seen. Like, like you said, the business has been great, but um, you know, I, I I'm just wondering if you can dive a little bit more into that. And and obviously, with everything shut down last year, but things have re- reopened now for a while. Uh, has has demand has has uh, activity fully come back to where it was pre-COVID or is there still a little bit ways to go? No, there's not. No, 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 not even close. The, the, the activity into Argentina itself is just, it's just at the very beginning stages. So it's really a, a, a reopening opportunity. But what has happened, I think, over the course of the, of the last quarter is that our, our lot sales, and I mentioned this back in, in July, I think, of last year, our lot sales have started to, to uh, trickle up a little bit. And, and I think that has a lot to do with one is hiring Etza, which is a master plan designer. You know, something good is coming out of that. I don't know what that will be yet, but it's something going to be truly exciting, um, both on a value and hopefully a potential in increased lot sales. So I think people took light of that, of taking our whole master plan to another level and our whole value proposition out there to another level. In addition, I think what's helped our lot sales over the last you know quarter, which I which I made public you know months ago, is that I think the overprinting of the Treasury here in the U.S. People are looking for diversification outside the U.S. dollar. People are looking for you know hard assets to purchase. So I think it's a culmination of a lot of things uh, that that have have helped move the the needle forward um, on on our lot sales, and also has helped move the needle forward at the beginning of our first cryptocurrency lot sale as well, which I think in the future is just gonna be absolutely incredible, the amount of people that have crypto today that actually can turn that and diversify what they've had into hard assets, into land. So from that perspective, Argentina has been shut down. We are at the very beginning of a reopening. It just opened November 1st. But because I think of the inflation here in the U.S. and the overprinting of the U.S. dollars, people are also looking for that outside hard asset uh, alternative to buy our, our land, our real estate in, in Argentina. 
It's an interesting idea, you know, of Gaucho as sort of a hedge away from the U.S. dollar. Um, I, I'm wondering because you, you've accepted Bitcoin for a while, correct? We have. Um, you know, it's, so I, I, I'm wondering, like, what kind of volume do you guys see? Do people? It's one thing to accept it, which is great, but people actually pay for stuff in Bitcoin. I don't know. Well, you know, I think people have to adapt to it. Which it was new to us. It's, uh, it's, it's something that we have to manage internally. Um, it was actually a fairly easy transaction. It was our first transaction. So that's just where we are. I can't comment on what we have in the pipeline for that, but I can tell you that we just we did our first. It went through flawlessly. It was an easy transaction. And, uh, you know, it took some paperwork and time legally to get through that whole system. But it's working. And uh, let's, let's hope for more in the future. Do, but do I'm, I guess my question was like, are do people use it, though? Oh, they do. Yes, they do. They do. Okay. And I think it's going to become more and more in the future, more more validated as more people try to get outside the U.S. dollar, try to get outside of the the euro and different currencies. As the Fed tries to take more uh, action into looking in you know people's bank accounts of what people have on a six hundred dollar transaction, I think all of these things you know worry people about the 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 over use of government looking into everybody's financial affairs. People are looking to protect themselves to and to protect their monies and diversify into outside of the U.S. dollar, which I think is really going to be big for Argentina, not just for us, but with the peso at 200 pesos to the U.S. dollar, it's going to be one of the most cheap, um, affordable, elegant, classic cities for people to visit. You know, Buenos Aires now on, on its reopening, it has absolutely everything. It's just had, you know, the very difficult, that's a nice word to say, politics, um, they've been very proficient at shooting and shooting themselves in the foot for the last 60 to 70 years. But there be it. That's why the real estate values are where they are. And you can get such incredible deals. So I am couldn't be more excited. We've had a very difficult last decade of dealing with this massive devaluation. But I think we are primed for the next decade uh, ahead. And I couldn't be more excited, one, about being in Argentina and two, about the, where the devaluation of the peso is today. So I guess I, I guess you're saying it probably can't get any worse, right? Well, basically, we know the risk in Argentina. The risk is there. It's, the risk yeah. was the government. The risk is the devaluation. That has already happened. It, it really couldn't get any better. It's it's 99% devalued. How much further do you want it to go? 99.9%? I can deal with the other 0.9%. But we already went through the Great Depression. It's Now it's reopening. It's reentry at a very, very low point. And in anything, you talk about risk and reward. We're already, if we're not at the bottom, we're very, very close to the bottom of everything in Argentina. Uh, but you're, you're not just in Argentina. You're also, you, you've got some exposure to Vegas, right? Oh, we do. And we couldn't be happier about that. Actually, we just put out some news about that this morning. We've now uh, invested a total of $7 million U.S. dollars into our Vegas partnership, the LVH, which is Las Vegas you know, Holdings Partnership. And we'll be able to, in the in near future, we anticipate investing $35 million in that particular partnership for a 40% equity play. And uh, this will be rolling out. Just stay tuned we, as we can make more announcements as to the exact location, who the partners are, the, 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 the massive size of the, the, the project itself. This project alone, it could be worth a multiple, it's many multiples of our current market capitalization today. So I just ask how? You, why, wait, why? Why? Uh, it, it's just the size of the, of, the, of the project. We're coming in at an early stage. Not, we're not investing 35 million to hope it gets to 38 million. 
We're taking a $35 million bet in this particular area because we've got great partners. Um, we've got a great location that we're, we're, we're eyeing right now. Um, and all, some, all of these things are in the works. It's just unfortunately things that we can't share with the street right now, but we will as each month, each week goes by, there will be new, more news coming out. All I ask people to do is, is just read the tea leaves. We put public news out there. That's what we can, we can produce. Um, we're involved, you know, and one of the persons who've joined our board of directors, Bill Allen. Bill Allen was the former CEO of Blooming Brands or Outback Steakhouses, Flemings, Flemings, and so on. He took that private with two major uh, funds, Bain and El Catterton, for $3.9 billion. You know, having Bill join our board was certainly, he's been helping me a lot. I'm, I'm learning from him every step of the way. You know, Bill's not leaving a $3.9 billion company to join a company with a $27 million market cap, and that's where we're going to stay. So I just ask people to read the tea leaves. We're bringing in some very high-powered new people into the company. Um, we've got, we've, we're in a good financial position, probably the best we've ever been since the, since the beginnings of the company. We've got great product lines and partnerships in Las Vegas. We're opening a new Miami store here in, in February and Argentina just reopened. And our stock is basically at, uh, you know, $2.95 per share and a 26 to $27 million market cap. I think it's absolutely, in my own humble opinion, I think there's a huge value play here. I think, in, you know, once, we, once we're able to in Q1 to go ring that bell on the NASDAQ, because we are traded on the NASDAQ, we've just chosen at this point not to ring the bell yet until actually COVID is over. But I think once we ring that bell and we can make a nice announcement to, to correlate that together, I think that's when some the really can, action can start in our company shares. We'll get some global exposure. Because like in land and real estate, they say location, location, location. When you're on the markets, you've got to have performance, which I think we're going to be able to deliver. And we're going to have exposure, exposure, exposure. So keep your eye, keep your eye on the prize. Stay tuned to Vino. Um, this is not the last you're going to hear about what we're doing. We could not be more excited. And we just appreciate you guys hearing our story. And uh, we're here doing it every day. Scott Mathis, the CEO of Gatchel Holdings, ticker VINO. Scott, thanks a lot for joining the show today. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right. Um, you know, that was great because some people, it's it's like pulling teeth out of them, right? And Not Scott. Some people are self-interviews, and uh, that was one of them. So <laughs> um, I, I could have asked more questions probably, but uh, he just kept – he was on a roll. Well, I wanted to ask about the wineries in Argentina. You, oh, sorry. Yeah, it's okay. I wanted to talk some wine, but it's yeah. No I guess we could. I guess I guess I could have asked about the wine. Uh, what like wine inflation? Is that what you're asking about? No, we the 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 the, the, the wine chain. I, I honestly just don't know the. Uh, I see what you did there. Thank you. I don't know. <laughs> so so as a re, you know, not really a REIT, but kind yeah. of like they own the land that the wineries. They're not. They're not operating the winery, are they? I don't know. No, 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 not to my knowledge. They, would have they, been a question for Scott. No, yeah, but they own they own the lane that the wineries are on. Um, it's not just wineries, though. It's also hotels, golf courses. Like I said, it's at the top. It's like a little luxury segment. Maybe we um, should take a, um, talk to Scott and take a trip. We can do, you know, take some videos, get some, you know, on, on the on the ground reporting of Vino's um, land, because I'd like to check out the golf courses, the winery. You, you can do that. I'll spend I'll spend all day at the winery. How about that? All right, and then we can just report back at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, hey, I'm keeping an eye on a firm today, AB, because this the stock had gotten punished and then it uh, 
had this amazing earnings report and it popped ripped higher this morning and now it's giving back a good chunk of his gains so uh I don't know what to make of this one. This is definitely a high flyer. Look at that daily chart. Oh my god! On the on November eighth, three days ago, the stock was uh, one seventy six. Yesterday, it got to one thirty two. I'm looking at my uh, history of a firm on Robinhood, and it looks like back in April, yeah, I sold seven shares at sixty nine dollars and seventy seven cents. So. Maybe that was one I sold a little too early. Do you, do you remember why? No, you probably don't. I I, I, I saw you lurking in the about you, do you you make you made some trades in the last hour, didn't you? I did. I've been trying to. I've been having a bad day. Do you want to tell it. us about it? No, I mean, sure, I'll tell you about it. I mean, I so what happened was, um, yesterday, I was messing around with Roblox mm-hmm. and I bought a call. And was getting like this was on the show, right? Yeah, I think so. And well, so what I had, what I did was I bought a put debit spread oh, um, to kind of counteract my call. And the put debit spread went up a lot. I ended up making all my money back. Actually, turned a red day green. Good for you. Um, and then I woke up today. Uh, you know, as I do every morning at like six thirty. Three hours later, the market opened, um, and, and the Roblox put debit spread was up again, and I. I didn't sell it. I didn't check it for like 20 minutes. And the next thing I know, I check it. And the whole contract had gone down about 80%. Cause if you look at Roblox chart today, it opened down. Um, and then at about 1030, an hour after the market opened, it went from down 0.8% to up 5%. Um, so I got totally screwed on that. My portfolio was down about three, $400 as a result. I've been trying to trade myself out of the hole. But instead, right. I, I've traded myself into a bigger hole. Right. So, so maybe our next guest, Renato, will be able to. He, he can help you, I think. I, I hope so. I mean, he's if you a really can't smart help me, guy. I don't know if anyone He's can. a really smart guy. You're saying that like I'm not. No, no. I'm just saying that like he is. Like, oh, like, yeah. Like, okay. like Renato knows this stuff. Yeah. yeah I'll, I'll give him. I mean, Renato probably knows more about options trading than I do. I just, I'm YOLOing out here. So I've got my scanner tool open in Benzinga Pro. On the left side of your screen is uh, gainers and losers from the open. On your right side of the screen is gainers and losers over the last five minutes specifically. Uh, let's see what comes out to me here. Uh, this is actually where I spotted a firm giving back its gains. Um EVGO, no way. Again with EVGO, is it still running for the like the third or fourth day in a row? Oh my gosh, eighteen dollars in EVGO today, and they don't even have any news, right? No, or they had earnings. Was that? Oh my gosh, the stock. Congrats if you're in this one. This this thing has doubled in the last week. I got to know if anyone in the chat anyone in the chat owns this. This is up up twenty percent today. Oh man! Don't trade options. You suck at it. <laughs> Voodoo, have some sympathy. Well, I, I just I just replied to him because my my overall like if I go to all time on my that was Robin harsh Hood, man. If I go to all time on Robinhood, I'm in the green. I'm I'm in the green by more than a hundred percent. It's just the past month or so has not been. Um, I'm actually still. Don't, don't, don't say it sucks. I'd say there's room for improvement. Jeez, yeah. Louise, that was hard. I mean, I think anyone that trades options will tell you you go through uh, phases where they're just not not hitting. That's okay. Matty Ice said he sold his EVGO at 100% gain or nice. Very nice, very nice. Um, hey, you know what? That's a good That's a good point, Matty Ice. Let's check on 
Rivian and Ford and GM today. So Rivian had the IPO, you know, had the IPO pop, right? Because it opened above its IPO price. $78 was the op- was the IPO price. $106.75 was your opening price. Traded there for like 20 minutes yesterday, and that was that. Um, this is surprising. This I don't I I don't know how often this happens where a stock undercuts its IPO price on day one and then comes back on day two. This is a bit surprising to me, I gotta say. I if you had asked me this morning, I know we, we rallied overnight a little bit, but if you'd asked me this morning, I would have said, Yeah, there ain't no way we're getting above that opening price uh, of 106. And uh here we are. So Rivian trading higher, Ford. Uh, I was bearish Ford yesterday. I thought yesterday was the day to sell. I know Luke Jacoby did sell some Ford yesterday. I think he'll be on this show tomorrow. I hope he'll be on the show tomorrow to talk about that. Um, Ford uh, flat today. And then, and how's GM doing? Have a nice day. Hey, man, rotation. We, we got to move away from Ford. Forget Ford. Ford was last week's news. Now it's all about GM. All right, someone give me one last options trade for the day that will get me out of the oh, out gosh. of the red. Um, you, you, All right, we can talk to Renato need, about it. You need volatility, right? I need volatility. I need like a – what I'm going to do is I'm going to wait till right before market close tomorrow or today for a trade tomorrow. So I'm going to be looking for oh, – maybe we should look at – are there any options after, or uh, earnings after hours? There tomorrow? are. There, of course there are. Let's go to the earnings calendar. What's today, the 11th? Yeah. Let's just sort by after the close. Today's 11 11. It's supposed to be a lucky day. Uh, Bob is having a good day because it's singles day. Uh, let's hear. Mm. Baba doesn't report till next week, I don't believe. So, okay. Huh? It, it, here's an idea for you. But <laughs> you have to. Aaron Thomas, singles day is, is a thing. Our producer has no idea what singles day is. Um, okay, wait. So here, here's an idea for you, but I I don't know uh, how good an idea this is. It may be a horrible idea. Tomorrow, Aaron, yep. we're going to have LAZR Laser on the show, Luminar. I can't trade it. They report earnings tonight. Uh, if I close it before they come on. Right. That's what I'm saying. If you close the position before they come on, then we can do whatever we want. Yeah. It shouldn't be a problem. Shouldn't be a problem. SEC won't come after me. No. Well, probably. SEC won't let me be. So you could do laser. They report tonight. You could do. Oh gosh, Lordstown Motors reports tonight. No. Thanks. Oh, I love that. Let's see what rides at. No, no, thank you. Um, fun oh, way. Ride, rides up twenty eight percent today. Yeah, why? All because they closed the deal with uh, Foxconn or whomever it was. Was it Foxconn? I don't even remember. I kind of like that. Some ride Yolo calls. Let's ride. I I I, I want to look at the uh, here, let's go back to my chart. Um, how's Fossil doing? Is Fossil still way up? Fossil reported great earnings, I believe. And yeah, it's, it's come off, it's come off those highs. How about MOV? Look at Movado. Oh my gosh! What about your your never sell stock? Wait Disney? wait is that an all time high? No, it's not an all time high. Okay, it's a it's a two year high for Movado. I think I don't know. I mean. I, I can stomach one more big big YOLO here. 
I need I need one to hit though. Okay, we have some suggestions from the chat. Sell a bear call spread in SoFi, uh, bull put spread in Coinbase. Hey, Brendo is actually giving us some uh, some strikes. Points for specificity. Coin bull puts. Wait. A bull put spread. Uh, How? But a, a put spread isn't that bearish. No, you can do a bear put bear put spread and a bull put spread. Uh, I want to short all. Is a, is, is a bull put spread a credit spread and a bear put spread is a debit spread? Credit means you're getting the money, right? Okay. Debit means you, right? Did I get that right? Debit means you're paying the money. You know what? Screw it. Let's just ask Renato. All right, this guy might know what he's talking about. Renato knows things about options. Thank All you, right, well, well, we gotta we gotta give Renato a proper introduction, so we're gonna give him our our both credit spreads. most special. <laughs> wait, what? Oh my god! Can we just get Renato on the show, please? Renato, save save us. All right, we gotta give him a proper. Hey, Renato, how do you pronounce your last name? You know, I can't even say it right either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what is it what is it is it capelge did i get that right earlier when i said that chapel chapel it's chapel yeah no that yeah. can't be right yeah oh geez all right I, wait so renato explain this to me so if i if i go on my robin hood and i put in a a, a put spread it's bearish i thought but now I'm learning you can do a bull put spread. Yeah. So a bull put spread would be along the lines of you're selling the closest strike and then you're buying the further strike. So you're, you're getting a credit instead of putting out a debit. Does that kind of make okay, sense? Okay. So I was right. So the debit spread would be bearish if we're talking puts. Yes. But the credit spread would be bullish. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sideways to bullish wherever you're at. As long as you're like above that short strike, you're fine. So Renato, I don't think you had joined yet, but when I was talking about my trading day so far, Spencer had uh please tell recap it for him. Was peeking over my shoulder. Okay, so I'll give you the long story short. Yesterday I bought a Roblox call. It wasn't working out. I wasn't able to close the position because of my PDT rules on Robinhood. So I opened Gosh. Uh, a bearish put spread as a hedge against it so that way at least i wasn't going like all down um the bearish spread actually brought me all the way back in the green and then i didn't sell it this morning when i should have roblox ended up going higher so then my uh i had already sold the call and the the uh, the bearish put spread ended up going in the red so now I, I dug myself into a hole tried to trade my way out of it um dug myself into a bigger hole so now i'm just looking for like one more trade to make today to to turn everything around and you're my guy oh god no pressure so uh, so so you 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 owned a call and then you owned a put debit spread right yeah and i bombed out of the call while i was making money on the spread brought me all the way back in the green it was wonderful i was like holy shit it worked i traded myself out of the hole and then this morning um roblox reversed and went up before i had sold the the bearish spread and then now that brought me in the red see there's there's not much you can do in that case and i i don't think roblox uh is a it's not a high price stock right it's pretty that's about a hundred dollars no no it's not wait high, high um, price would be like eight hundred dollars okay 
so like Chipotle. Yeah, Chipotle. So yeah. What was what was the what was the short strike? On the Roblox uh put the put thing. The put it thing. was it's uh ninety two and eighty five. Oh, 85. You see what what was your debit when you paid? I don't even remember. Let me see. Uh <laughs> should say right there, shouldn't it? Average cost thirty dollars or point three. Oh, you you paid you paid uh thirty cents for the spread? Yep. And the spread is a buck thirty right now. Worth a buck no, 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 no. Now you the spread you, is worth point one eight. You said you own the ninety two or you own the ninety two and you were short the eighty five? Correct. Uh, correct. Yeah. It's over. The trade's over. It was. It was up a lot yesterday. Oh, uh, oh. You're 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 talking about the November twelfth expiry. Um. Correct. I don't know what he's talking about. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, at, I'm, looking, I'm looking at if you go a week out, a week out, the spread is worth like a buck thirty. Uh, this oh. week expiring, it's it's eighteen. You know, eighteen. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. A B. Yeah. I think it's over. There's there's not much you can do. Um, uh, no, I'm, I'm I'm forgetting about the Roblox trade. It's over. I'm looking for a new trade to recoup my losses. All right, all right. Well, I've got. We're not. Uh, do you want Do you want to share your screen and, and we can see what you're seeing and then we can yeah, uh, sure because you you do some pretty complicated options. Stuff. I know I'm not gonna be able to understand it. So right. you know, I, well, he's he's gonna have to explain it like we're five because well, we are five. I wrote down a yeah, lot like of five. so like I know what to like kind of like go through. How much time do we have? We have 30 How minutes. How much time do you need? <laughs> All right. 30 <laughs> minutes on the dot. What's that? We, we have a half hour. Let's roll. All right. Let me share my screen. You can click share at the bottom there. Make sure, make sure you're not sharing the screen with your account number on it. Okay. You had someone do that a few times. Right. Never a good thing. Don't do that. All right. Okay. See my screen? I don't know. Yes, we can. I, I, am I cool to bring that up? I'm bringing that up right now. Wow. Oh, my God. That is a big old think or swim. It's a lot of numbers. Okay. Yeah. Oh. So, I've got... All right. Let's see. So something you could play... Um, let me Buy see. Buy Tesla put? No. Wait, wait, let him finish. All right. I'm just throwing ideas out there. Um... See, I like Ronaldo because he's using multiple platforms. He's using ThinkorSwim, he's using TradingView, he's using Mendinger Pro, he's using it all. Yeah, so I have a really – okay, so I put this on for a credit, but you you can't do this type of trade with Robinhood, so there's there's a way you could play it. But my idea was when we were opening up like right here today, I was like there's a potential we could make a run for the 1,200. So I was like for the November 12th expiry – I'd love to own something against this all-time high, right? Wait, so, November twelfth tomorrow. Yeah, it, it expires. Uh, expires tomorrow, right? You're so, saying you you think we can see a Tesla run to twelve hundred? No, no. From... So, so when we were opening up there, I was like, what could I put on here for free that I could like monetize it on the way up? So I mainly trade ratio spreads, and so what that uh, I trade a, a couple of things. So I'll trade directionally, you know, stock and futures, and uh, the bulk of my trading is in. Uh, options that are out maybe once two weeks um uh in the some sort of complex spread right so it could be a butterfly it could be a ratio spread it could be a calendar spread right um and in this case i love to try to lower my cost basis and so the best way to do that is to 
own something but sell something against what you own. And so in this case, when we were opening up right here, I'm thinking immediately like, okay, where, where could we potentially try to make a run for? And how could I make that basically like a free bet? And so at the time, um, we'll, we'll put this right here. What was the trade that I put on? Um, I think it was, uh, it was the 1180, 1220. Where's the 1180, 1220 right here. So I put it on for a 10 cent credit. So what I did was I basically bought the 1180 once for $2 and I sold the 1220 twice for a dollar nine. And so together that spread actually didn't cost me anything. I got paid to put the spread on. And so the, the, the idea behind the spread is, uh, do you know what a butterfly is? It's basically, it's basically like owning a vertical and then selling a vertical that's higher up. Right. In oh my state. God. Wait, a spread on a spread. I... Oh my goodness. Basically. So, so let me, let me, let me kind of show you how this works. Right. So imagine this is like the profit zone. Okay. Imagine this when you, if you were to just buy a uh, vertical, you would, let's say you would buy the 1180 and um, you would buy the 1180 and let's say you sell the 1220. Right. So you, let's say you own the vertical, but, but based on those prices, right? You're, you're basically paying out almost a dollar for that, um, uh, for that spread, right? So if you wanted to buy the 1180, 1220 vertical, just buy the call and sell one, uh, call higher that would cost you a buck. But what I did was I sold two higher. So I covered the cost of the spread. Uh, and so what happens now is is let's say uh, you own the one uh, the one for one vertical. So you bought the 1180 and then you sold the 1220. You would basically have no risk to the upside. You basically want the stock to run higher and there, there's no risk uh, that you're gonna entail, right? But what I'm basically doing is by selling that extra call, I'm taking on some sort of upside risk, but I'm expecting the stock to be within a range, right? And so in this case, um, you know, uh, the 1220. So I have till 1260 is my break even. So the stock, I technically want the stock between 1180 and 1260 to make money on the spread, right? To, to make more than uh, what I initially received putting on the spread. Um, does that kind of make any sense whatsoever? Yeah, it does. Um, but with that, wouldn't your, your upside would be limited as well, right? Uh, yeah, so the the upside, the max potential gain in this sort of trade is the distance between the long strike and the short strike, right? Uh, and so in that case, that would be forty times a hundred, uh, right? So about you know four thousand dollars or so. Um, okay, yeah, pretty good. Uh, that's the max value. But the the thing is, if I were to ask you right now, do you think the stock is going to move to twelve sixty tomorrow? No, I don't. No. Okay. But do you think there's a potential that it could go up maybe to 1150, 1175? Yeah, I mean it's it's Tesla. It could go to yes, so two so grand tomorrow idea, for all so, I know. So the idea you know. behind these sorts of trades is to put it on in size, and so allow uh, uh, allow the stock to maybe drift towards your strikes and then taper off the position. So what I'll do is. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very light right now. Uh, I actually had a ton of Tesla positions, but I'm taking uh, a ton of stuff off right now as we speak, but, uh, I have a one lot right, 
is it a one lot? Yeah, it's a one lot. Uh, and so uh, the idea behind this is maybe you put five on. So maybe I put five to 10 on. And so as we get the move towards the spread, right, the spread will start to expand. So I put it on for a credit. I will be able to take the spread off for a credit, most likely unless there was some sort of exogenous event. Elon Musk comes out, Tesla's getting bought. I don't know, something crazy. Um, in that case, you're going to have to hedge or whatever, and we can kind of get into how to do that. Uh, but the idea is to taper the position off. So maybe I put uh, uh, put these on for a 10 cent credit, and then I'm going to start limiting out, you know, 50 cents, a dollar, right? You know, whatever. And that's how I'm going to try to like take the spread off, right? I'm not going for a home run. I'm 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 trying to. Uh, uh, because this this is not a trade that is kind of like a home run trade. It's just kind of like a, uh, 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 you're, you're basically trying to harvest whatever that, uh, uh, you're trying to monetize that move. You're trying to just harvest a little bit of that move outright for minimal risk, right? Um, so if Tesla doesn't make that move that you're, you're hoping for with the trade, what's your yeah. downside? I don't lose anything. If, if the stock goes down, I don't lose anything because I, uh, I got paid to put the trade on. Got it. So do you need a certain amount like in your portfolio to make these types of trades? Yeah. So, uh, you, 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 for, for Tesla, so I have something called portfolio margin. And so that actually allows me to trade, I guess, uh, bigger. It's, it's kind of like, a uh, um, uh, uh, it's like a risk-based thing where you're taking, uh, into account, you know, different positions you may have in the portfolio to offset your risk. Uh, in other positions, and you're not required to have as much um, uh, uh, margin for a certain position. It's it's much more efficient, I guess you could say. So um, uh, I don't need as much margin to put on a position. But if you're in a normal account, um, for I think Tesla, it might be something along the lines of like $15,000 for the spread, right? For me right now, uh, let me, I should check what it is, but um, create a duplicate order. Uh, let's see. It's a little slow, but let's see. Um, so $11,000, you know, margins been kind of getting a little hot, uh, right now in Tesla, it'll expand and contract. Right. Uh, but I, I can get into how I'm sizing these positions and so on. Um, but, but how do you, put this position on is my thing with, without having that margin. Right. And you can do that. You just buy the far out of the money leg, which is trading for maybe 10, 20 cents right now. So you can put this trade on for a $10 debit and then harvest it out as you kind of go higher. Right. So what I actually have is, uh, uh before the market closes, I, I kind of have this spread that I'm looking for, not a spread for the single leg. It's the 1260 call. And by buying the 1260 call, I would have no risk to the upside. If Tesla chooses to go to 1300, fine. That's nothing. It's not going to hurt me. That that call is trading for 23 cents this morning. When I put the uh, initial spread on for a 10 cent credit, it was trading for maybe 50, 60 cents. So I knew I, I know that the Thursday uh, uh, kind of like before expiry, there's going to be a ton of uh, um, uh, I guess you could say in drain in those options, especially the one, uh, the ones that you're short, right. Further and further out of the money. So I knew that one's going to collapse. And so now right before market close, I can potentially put that on for a 15 to 20 cent debit cap my risk. And so the max I might lose in the trade is, you know, maybe 10 bucks or something along those lines. But the whole idea is, is I want to be 
able to participate in some sort of move uh, uh, higher. And if in, 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 in it's a, it's a, it's, it's not like a high probability bet. You're not going for the home run. You're just looking for a little bit of a pop higher. And I can start taking these spreads off for a dollar, $2, $5 in credit. Right. Um, you know, uh, sometimes you'll get the home run, uh, but I don't usually go for the home run. So I'm, I'm usually going. So the, the, the yeah. trick here was the credit. It seems like to me was the credit, not the debit. That seemed to be like the fundamental thing here. Yeah, the fundamental thing here is you're selling more than you're long, uh, and and you're, the amount of credit that you're collecting is enough to cover what you paid for the long call or the put or whatever the, the trade may be in that case. So so in that case is it's all about lowering your uh, uh, cost basis, right? So if if you're if you're trying to get in a trade and you're trying to express your opinion using options at least you how do you how do you reduce what you the max potential loss right you could let's say uh you got a tesla today and you think it's going to go to 1200 so you buy some sort of fat vertical expiring out in a week but you know what tesla gaps down tomorrow what is there that you can do with that spread you can't really do much um uh so but if you have like a ratio well maybe you can you can uh narrow the width of the spread maybe you can uh, 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 take off the call, you know, so there's so many things, so many more things you can do when you get a little bit more complex in structure. And the idea is anyone can do this. Uh, uh, you just have to buy the extra protection that's far on the money. So if you're in a small Robinhood account and you have, uh, uh, maybe just a, a, a few thousand dollars to play with, well, you know, you can buy the call that's far of the money for 10, 20 cents and, and you can participate you know, and, 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 you know, make sure you don't have unlimited losses or whatever to the upside. Do, um, do you, do you only ever go like one to two weeks out? Do you ever go? go yeah. Yeah. Back? So, so, so the way I trade is uh, for mainly everything is uh, it, uh, uh, options, but like I said, I trade directional futures and stuff like that. And so that might be like a day trade or a trade that's one to two days. Uh, most of the time when I'm positioning myself into um, uh, these sorts of options, I'm out, you know, once two weeks max. The reason being is the amount of decay that uh, 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 the 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 rate of decay accelerate. That's the part where the, the rate of decay is the the uh, I guess there's a huge drop off. There's a uh, uh, it speeds up, if you will. And so I want to be in that area, right, where I'm selling those options that are much further out of the money, and those options would be collapsing. Well the options that I'm long are a little bit closer and they're not losing money as quickly, right? So you're in that part of the curve where uh, uh, you can be able to put a spread on in, in, in uh, let's say I can put a spread on maybe Wednesday, the week before expiry. And within two days, that spread is already, let's say I paid a debit, within two days, that spread can be already trading for a credit. The stock may have not even moved. It's just that there is so much decay in those far of the money options that that outweighed the amount of decay in the long option. Does that kind of make sense? Yep, it does. Yeah. I hope it makes sense to everyone watching. It made sense yeah. to me. So, so um, uh, in, in the case right now, uh, what I was doing, uh, I've, I've been tapering this position off, but I had a pretty sizable position in the 850s, 800s. And so what I was doing was on this move to uh, 1,000 uh, right here, uh, the 850, 800 uh, put ratios, uh, we're trading for 
I don't know, five dollars in credit, four dollars in credit. So I was putting those on. Um, so I'm taking I'm, I'm taking a little bit of risk there because I'll, I'll tell you how I price these things and and when I want to take extra risk and when I don't want to take extra risk. But here I'm taking extra risk because I'm thinking like, okay, the one thousand is it. But even if we go lower, there's a potential that because there's so little time to expiry, that spread is going to collapse as we approach that uh, uh, spread, right? So what happens is, is let's say you're short a vertical, right? A plain old vertical, you're, you sold one option and then you bought one option further apart. What do you not want the stock to do if you're short a vertical on the call side? What was the question again? <laughs> I'm lost if, now. Let, let's say, let's say you're short a call. Okay. What do you you're not short. want the stock to do? You don't want the stock to go past your strike price. Yes, yes, right. In this case, I want I might put the spread on for a credit, but I want I technically want the stock to come towards my strikes just because I have that a couple extra components in there that are working for me, and I can be able to take that um, spread off. Uh, there's a there's a, 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 a few great people online that talk a lot about this. Uh, I was first introduced to the, uh, to the concept by um, a couple of years, uh, a few years ago, it's probably three something years ago, uh, by Peter Reznicek. He's a great guy. I follow him. To he's been day. on the show. We have to get him back. He's on my list to get back Who's on the show. Shout out Trader. Shout out Trader. Yeah, yeah, he's on my list. I talked to he's him great. earlier this uh, week. He's on my list. He's on my list week. to get he, back. He was in a, uh, he's going to come back on next month. Okay, good. Yeah, he's he's a great guy. He just got, I think he just got hurt. Uh, he yeah, was, I, like, I didn't know if he wanted me telling people. That's why. I yeah, tried to um, he, he's a great guy. <laughs> and I I first learned about it from him, and then uh, 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 went went on and and did did a bunch of learning on my own and and uh, kind of stuff. And I, I still to this day I, I'll, I'll trade very much uh, kind of uh, like how he does. Uh, but in in this case. Uh, uh, he's a great person to also ask about this, but um, that's that's kind of the idea here is is it's there's you have a lot more stuff working for you in this sort of structure uh, uh, as opposed to just being long, uh, just a simple spread uh, or, or short a simple spread. Right. There's there's more components there that are that are working against uh, maybe the strike that you're long or whatever that may be. Uh, to to kind of offset that. So what this else? is this is all this is all very informative, Renato. Uh, and but but what I want to know really is like, can we put on a yolo a yellow trade right now? Can you put on a yolo trade? Also, yes. hex pony in the chat's asking whatever happened with your QS trade. Uh, so just going back to the get technical days, I pointed out QuantumScape as a. Oh wait, are you talking about the? I don't know which QuantumScape. Yeah, there's more. Than, there's more than there's one. There's I, I thought you're in it. I I did trade some uh, QuantumScape, but no, I, I when it was it was like bottoming out at like twenty dollars and just sitting there for a long time. So that was one that I bought some kind of uh, leap calls on, and I ended up selling them for a good gain. But if yes. I had held on to them longer, then um, they they would be worth a little bit more. QuantumScape having a good day today, up about fourteen percent. Um, so yeah, like I said, hanging out, it was hanging out at like 20 bucks for a very long time. Looked like one of those sustained bottoms that we like to see before it starts reversing and coming back up. But yeah, Renato, if you had to go out and trade outside of your normal strategy and essentially, uh, you know, YOLO something, what would it be? It's a very good question. 
I'm not usually a yellower. I've tried to be as methodical about everything I do. I know you're too logical, man. We got to smack the logic out of you. Um, if I, like if, me, I it's a problem. If, I, if I was yellowing, I probably buy stock and I would, and then I would structure some sort of spread to kind of cap my downfall. But maybe in the case of Tesla, <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I just have to. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, hey, we're not a... what, what's that? Go ahead. Sorry. No, no. Someone asked where they can follow you. I I, I put the link in the chat. It's also in the description, but uh, t t tell us about uh, uh, Physic Invest. Yeah. So what I do is, um, so, so the idea of being was like, but I, I think it was my sister or my dad and they were like, you need to be putting down a lot of the stuff that you're doing because it's like, if you ever wanted to maybe go work for an institution or, or manage money, no. you, need, you need like, uh, you need somewhere to put like all your information and stuff. And so I created this website and, um, <laughs> and I created this website and, uh, basically I put my prep there every single day. Um, uh, and it keeps me kind of like, uh, uh, what time do you wake up in the morning before you four to five or so, something like that. Oh, that is before me four um, to five in the morning. Yeah. That's before I, me too. Yeah. It's, I, 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 I used to be, I used to be kind of like six o'clock, but recently it's been more like four or five. It's just been, there's my days are really packed. And so I'm trying to trying to like stuff everything out, but prep is the most important thing to me. And so that's what I'm doing immediately when I get in the morning. And so uh, part of you know the stuff that I put on this website is my morning prep. So I go through and I'm immediately looking like uh, looking at okay, what has the market done overnight? What are what is like the big picture that I've been paying attention to? Uh, what are the kind of like uh, uh, big picture signposts that potentially I should be looking to do something responsibly against or whatever that may be. And then I kind of keep in mind like, okay, what are the big things that are going on? And it just, I, I try to talk a lot about like a lot of different things where it's like, it's kind of stimulating me and I'm like, okay, I didn't think about this earlier, but now that I have written this down, I'll kind of try to position myself on this end. Right. So a lot of times if you, you know, I, it's, it's very hard to trade when you don't do this prep because I catch myself doing things that I shouldn't be doing. Right. So, so can you like give us an example of like, uh, like tell us something from the prep this morning that informed your trading today? Okay. So, uh, uh, one thing was, uh, we'll go in, in, in a little bit towards the beginning of the week because I've kind of been rolling through rolling over this narrative over the past couple of days, uh, coming into this week, uh, there was a ton of risk. Uh, in the single stock names. And uh, that was feeding into what we were seeing in the broader indices, like the S SPX and stuff like that. I do some work with uh, 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 this company, it's called Spot Gamma, right? And they basically do options analysis, stuff like that. And they have a ton of stuff on their website and uh, about that information, but I work with them. And so I, I, I had an idea that going to this, there was a ton of risk um, uh, being uh, uh, kind of like going on, um, in in the back end sorry things are freezing on my end um uh, people were selling puts aggressively in stocks like tesla and buying calls right and so uh uh the counterparties to those trades 
uh, are, are, are stuck in a position where they have to hedge in the direction of the trend, right? And so uh, in the case of Tesla, they were exacerbating volatility in the underlying stock because they were forced to buy underlying stocks. So let's say, you know, you're selling those puts, you're buying those calls, you're, uh, you're, you're basically forcing these in, uh, uh, individuals, those, those participants who are warehousing that risk to buy that underlying stock. And so that creates kind of like this feedback loop, right? We started to see that slow as we kind of approach the 1200 strike. Uh, um, uh, uh, and, and you also saw that there wasn't a lot, a lot of the volumes that you saw were just volumes. They didn't actually translate into uh, open interest. So that also told you that there was just a lot of day trading of options, right? So people weren't necessarily willing to hold these options uh, day to day. They were just willing to trade them inter intraday. But we reached a point, and I think that was around 1200, where things really slowed down. And so a lot of those options, as they decay, well, what is the counterparty going to do to that trade? They're going to start removing their hedges, and that's going to put supply on the stock, right? And so that was one. And then we had an exogenous event over the weekend, which was the Elon Musk thing. Elon yeah. Musk comes in, whatever stock drops. And so then you start getting this uh, reaction where, you know, you start kind of uh, 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 the same thing that was happening to the upside turns into and it starts happening to the downside, right? And so you have these participants who are forced to uh, uh, basically, you know, cover, cover these positions. You have the counterparties that are selling in the weakness and that's exacerbating the weakness. But the one other thing, this is, this goes into what we've been seeing over the past two days now is a lot of that risk-taking fed into what we were seeing yet in the S&P 500. And so uh, based on positioning in the S&P 500, you had a lot of, uh, you had participants committing more money to strikes that were higher and higher up on the call side, but they weren't doing the same thing on the put side, right? And so what this basically does is without going through uh, getting a little bit more complex, it basically creates like this void, right? And, and, and it's a destabilizing thing that goes on in the market, right? And so now you have, um, well, well, why wouldn't they go lower on the put side if they're going higher on the call side? Well, that's the thing. You don't want that to happen because when that does happen, the, the, that, that it's destabilizing, right? Um, uh, 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 you want everything to kind of shift higher because you could consider that positioning almost as like a support level, right? In the market. And when you don't have that, imagine as if the support level was much further down below the market. Right. And so it's, I, the way I like to think about it is, is it's almost as if there's this void in the market. And so what allows, what ends up happening is, is you'll get, you'll get this very uniform rally where it's stair steps, but you get the liquidation. And, and, and that's what we actually saw start happening yesterday or the day before. Uh, but we didn't really get much follow through until yesterday. And so in, with that in mind, I'm, and, and I know that we're coming up onto this options expiration and based on the data, uh, at least in recent times, uh, 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 there's there's a lot of weakness. There's a lot of front running of of that volatility that you see kind of like post uh, that options expiration. So, with that in mind, I know that there's a potential uh, for you know an abrupt liquidation or continuation, right? Uh, I also know that you know there's we're potentially going to keep getting a little bit of sideways or some weakness here uh, into this options expiration. So I'm immediately thinking, okay, what can I do in the S and P 500? Uh, uh, to structure with that around. So I'm immediately looking out to, um, in this case, uh, 
okay my platform i think my platform froze maybe uh nope 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 uh didn't freeze didn't freeze uh okay so i'm immediately looking at what can i put on on the put side um to 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 kind of capitalize on that right so i'm not necessarily going to go out to the 26th uh, right. And I might actually end up doing this as a butterfly uh, or a broken wing butterfly where I'm buying, I'm selling, and then I'm uh, buying one further option or one option further out, but much further out, right? Where it's just capping my risk. Uh, but the idea is to uh, uh, buy something, buy a put that's closer to the money, sell something at the target price where I think the stock might or the index might go, and, and, and be able to uh, uh, either put that spread on for very little cost or credit collect that credit if nothing happens, but be able to monetize or participate in that move on the way down. And so in this case, I, I, I wouldn't do the 26, uh, but it, I, I kind of put that up there. I was just pricing a whole bunch of different stuff. Um, uh, but the idea would be to put that on and then allow the, and, and maybe I do it in the uh, sp uh, spiders because the, the one, uh, one of the SPX is the equivalent of 10 spiders basically or whatever. Uh, so you can go on the spiders and you can do this, uh, which is the spy. Um, uh, but uh, so I would put something on like this. And so uh, with it, I always in my head is the setup, the target, the time frame, and what am I willing to risk, right? And so that's different from everyone. And in case if your risk is very little, you could put something on like a butterfly. And that would be something like you, you own the uh, strike closer, you sell a couple uh, down below, and then you cap your risk by buying more way further out. But that's the way I try to think about things is like, okay, what are the big things, uh, big picture things that are going on in the background? How can I tie that into, how can I form like some sort of thesis and tie that into actual trade structure, right? And so all I need is some sort of uh, target, some sort of time frame, and uh, uh, what I'm willing to risk, and I'll structure something uh, 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 like that, you know, or against that. So Renato, your 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 long term goal is to run your own uh, fund. How far away are we from that? I I to to be honest, I have a my dad always asks asks me this. He's like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> um, I don't know. Up until now, it's it's actually gone really well. Uh, uh, I studied for a number of years. I think you know five five or so years. I actually was, oh. uh, uh, you know, it was like three, four years at the time went before I started trying to trade kind of like full-time where I was just studying full-time. And, you know, once I had like this idea how I wanted to trade, I, I was well capitalized to do this. Um, or I think I had enough money to like start doing it. Things actually started working out really well. And so I'm just continuing to build on that. And I think it's going to take a few more years of potentially experience, uh, 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 getting a license or certificates or whatever that may be maybe I end up going to some sort of institution and spending some time there and, and learning more uh, awesome. because, you know, there's, there's so much more to learn every single day. Right. So it's awesome. It's Renato uh, is uh, a, a trader. As you can tell, he's also uh, the author of our FinTech newsletter and uh, we're, we're not, we'll, we'll, we'll have to get you back on the show, man, because there was a lot of information here. I feel dumber now because I uh, I'm a very visual person. Right. And I need to visualize everything that you just said. I was trying to visualize your trade as you were outlining it. But uh, we have to get you back on, man, because I, I, I think I think we can uh, do a lot more of these types of segments with you and just talking through your trading. So uh, I, I write down everything. I print and write down everything. All right. 
I, I put the link up there again. It's Physic Invest, P H Y S I K Invest.com. And uh, Renato, thanks for coming on, man. Have a good rest of your day. Appreciate it, guys. Have a, have a great right. day, and we'll talk soon. All right. Talk soon, Renato. All right. We are running behind schedule. What else is new, AB? It's 201. The roadmap is going live right now. So before we go, let's do one last gravel, gravel. We're at 112 likes. Get us to 150. We can do it. 150 likes on this stream right now. And that'll be a wrap, I think. So thanks to all of our guests today. Thanks to Renato. Thanks to Scott, Ronan, Zandy, Vivi, Ben. We have six guests today, man. Yeah. Thanks to you, Spencer. It's a whirlwind. They shouldn't all be like this. It was crazy. We have to find the balance between games and guests. Games and guests. Yeah, today, today was all guests. Too heavy games. on the guests today. Too we'll heavy see. on the guests. We need more. That wasn't me. I... <laughs> Jeez. Uh, Renato, though. Yeah, what about he's him? He's smart. You got he's a lot a smart going cookie. on. We need. Uh, we're gonna need some more time with him before he's Spencer a... and I understand everything that he's putting down. But all right, y'all. We've got the roadmap starting up. Benzinga's very own NFT show, one of the hottest new sectors out there. So go check out the roadmap with Chris Kachi starting right now. This stream will automatically redirect you there, and we will catch y'all tomorrow. Boom. Did you know nearly all stock price changes of 10% or more result from a single news headline? That's right. News headlines have a unique ability to drive stock prices up or down. These news catalysts create trading opportunities every day. All you need is a little help to reach out and take them. And if you're looking to grow your portfolio, it doesn't matter if your investment budget is small or big. An easy-to-read stream of news headlines will increase your opportunities to profit from price changes in the stock market, consolidate a knowledge-based investment strategy, and grow your portfolio. All you need is Benzinga Pro and its powerful news alerts, price tracking, and portfolio monitoring to make a positive change in your trading performance. We've already helped thousands of retail traders across the world, and they could not be happier. Increase your market knowledge, boost your exposure to big movers, and make informed trades before major price changes. The opportunities are all around you. Subscribe now and we'll skyrocket your portfolio today. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.